You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic, friends. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. I'm so glad you're tuning in today. This show really started with a passion for yoga. Yoga is what showed me the world of wellness, showed me the world of spirituality. And I know a lot of you have had similar spiritual awakenings, experiences with your yoga practice, and many of you are teachers yourselves, or maybe you've thought about becoming a yoga teacher. Well, today we have the amazing Amanda King-Smith, a yoga business coach and host of the Mastering the Business of Yoga podcast on the show to chat building a career in yoga. There are just so many different paths to go down, and Amanda has, she's probably seen them all. (laughs) In this episode, we chat about Amanda's journey into teaching yoga, the different types of teacher trainings, different career paths you can take as a teacher, creating a niche in the world of yoga, and how her yoga and self-care practices have shifted as she's moved into motherhood. Make sure to check out Amanda's show, Mastering the Business of Yoga, if you're a teacher or you're an aspiring teacher. And if you love this episode, share it with another yoga pal, with a friend. Coming up next week, I'm hopping on the mic to share a quick life update, a little birth story, all the good things. So make sure you're already subscribed. And if you want to be the first to know about future episodes, events we have planned for the fall, and how we can work together, hop on our email list in the show notes. You'll get access to the free Discover Your Self-Care Style mini course. Thanks, as always, for being here, friends. Thanks to Amanda for being on the show. Let's get to this conversation. Hi, welcome, Amanda. Happy Monday. Thanks for being here. I'm so excited to to chat as we were just connecting before. I feel like serendipitously we've sort of, I don't know, been meant to connect about so many things. And so it's happening. I'm so excited to to talk to you today. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm really excited to just, yeah, have a chat with you today and get to know you more. And yeah, like you said, I feel like it's been a long time coming that we're having this conversation. <laughs> so how long have you been doing your podcast? Have you been, you've been doing it for a while, right? Like a few years. Yeah. So I have one that I co-host with my husband about travel and we've been doing that since the summer of 2014. And then I launched, yeah, I launched mastering the business of yoga, February 1st, 2016. Okay. So you're, yeah, you're an OG. Do you feel like getting in a couple, you know, not a couple years ago, several years ago now, like has been helpful, has been in your advantage as I feel like in the last several years, it's really blown up, but it's those that have like stuck with it that are just just rocking it now. Right. Yeah. I feel like there's pros and cons. Like I think that back in the day, it was like easier to get discovered because, you know, there was like less travel podcasts and there was certainly no other like yoga business podcast. So it was kind of an easy (laughs) choice for people in that way. But then it was also like, 
I'd invite guests on the show and I'd be like, Oh, do you want to be a guest on my podcast? And I got a lot of people who were like, I'm, I'm sorry, pod what? Like, what, what, what do you want to do? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> just join me on Skype. Cause like zoom wasn't even a thing at this point. Join me on Skype. I'll hit record and we'll just talk about yoga. And people were like, oh, okay, I can do that. But I ran into a lot of like, oh, you know, somebody's like doing the dishes while we're talking. <laughs> oh like, my gosh. Or at funny. a restaurant because <laughs> they don't understand exactly what it was. So I feel like that made things more difficult, like people just not knowing. And since podcasting has become more mainstream, it's like people know what to do when you invite them on the show. They know what it is. You don't have to like sell them on it as much, but obviously there's other challenges with like, there's a lot of competition now and yeah. it's harder to get discovered, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Oh, that's so wild. I wouldn't have even thought about that, but like they'd be doing something else. <laughs> I wouldn't even know. Uh, so tell us a little about you and just, I'd love to hear your relationship, your journey with yoga and how it's shaped the work that you do now, the person that you are, that could be like a whole episode. So feel free <laughs> to go. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking, I'll give like the, the quick version of it. So we have lots of time to get into things that are much more interesting than that. But basically it was, I was a competitive dancer in high school. So I was moving a ton. And then I went to college and I didn't know how to exercise on my own. <laughs> I just like had no concept of going to the gym. And my mom was like, well, why don't we do like a yoga class together? And I'd done yoga one time, a girl I danced with, her dad was a yoga teacher, which was completely absurd to me at that time. I was like, is this like a profession? Like, do people do this for a living? <laughs> and I started doing this yoga class once a week with my mom. I thought it was like pretty boring because I was, you know, 18, 19 years old right. and high energy, high stress, going to school, busy all the time. I was that person who the teacher would say, you know, relax your body. And I'd be like clenching my glutes, clenching all my muscles because, oh, I need to get my workout in or whatever, which is so funny for me to look back on now. Cause I'm totally not that practitioner. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, another chaturanga. I just want to like lie here and yeah. breathe. <laughs> um, but I did that for a couple of years. I graduated from university with a business degree, I started working in corporate and I feel like that's where my practice kind of really became important to me. I started going with a friend who had never done yoga before and her, one of her good friends was a teacher. So we started going to these classes together. And I feel like that's where I kind of connected to, you know, the deeper form of yoga. Like I was mm -hmm. probably still mostly going for the workout, but I think it's when I started like oh, there's something more to this. It's, it's connecting to me in a deeper way because I was working this busy, busy job that wasn't really serving me. I had a busy social life. I wasn't giving myself time and space. I had no practices, routine, self-care. And so that was that time where like, nobody's talking to me. My brain can just settle. I can have time with myself. And I was basically going pretty much every day at that point. And that would have been between like 2012 and 2014 was when I was working in corporate. And then my husband and I quit our jobs, sold our stuff, went to South America for six months. I was still doing yoga, doing it in Spanish, which was really cool. And then I came back to Canada where I'm from to Western Canada. And we decided to do like a life U-turn. And I was like, I'm not going to go back to corporate. We're going to move to a small mountain town. I got a job in retail. I started working part-time at a yoga studio. And it was at that point that I put it as a five-year goal to get my yoga teacher training. And a manager I had at the point was like, why don't you just do it now? She's like, I'll give you a month off work. It's not going to be paid because I worked hourly in retail. She's like, but I'll keep your job for you and just go do it. And 
I had a little bit of money saved for my corporate job. It was, you know, pretty much enough for my trip and I wasn't doing anything with it. So I just took it as a sign from the universe to go do it. And so I spent a month in Bali in 2015, getting my teacher training, came back to Canada and was teaching a little bit. I was in a small town. I, I knew a lot of people. So I got quite a few teaching opportunities. And then in the fall of 2016, my husband took a job in Atlanta, Georgia, and I moved down there with him. And I knew not a single soul in like a 6 million person city. And I wanted to teach yoga. And I realized that I had no idea how to get jobs. Like I had just yeah. been doing everything off of word of mouth and people I knew. And, you know, I'd been working at a studio and I was working at Lululemon. So it's like, I was really connected to the yoga industry. And I basically took everything I knew from my like corporate life and kind of started like feeling that out as to how it worked in the yoga space, like creating a resume and doing teaching demos. And I was like, I should document this because I can't be the only one who didn't learn this in my 200 hour. And that's where my podcast was born. And so it started with me learning from people ahead of me and then has continued in that way, as well as teaching, you know, people who are behind me in their careers. And it's just been a really beautiful blend of like my two worlds of like business background with, you know, my passion and love for yoga and yoga teachers and stuff like that. Oh, that's so cool. That's It's so, it just kind of all falls into place, right? Like these opportunities come our way and, and there was such a white space when you, especially when you started your show for, for this, I remember I led a lot of trainings and often I'll do, I'll focus on like the lecture on you, the business of yoga, which is literally like a, maybe a 45 minute lecture. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is, this is not all of it. Turns out there's a lot more to this. And I referenced mm. your show before when I've talked about that and, you know, there maybe because there's so many avenues that you can go once you have your teacher training completion and, you know, there's just so many things that you could do with it, but it helps to have some direction. So the work that you do is so, so needed. I'd be curious just because I've talked to a lot of yoga, teacher, yoga teachers on this show and, you know, in terms of teacher trainings, mine was more like kind of amongst my busy work schedule. I would do, I did it for how many weeks, probably like 12 weeks, I think. Mm -hmm. Versus like an immersive experience. Do you see, like, is there a benefit to one or the other or like in your conversations with other yoga teachers, if someone was trying to navigate, like, should I go to Bali or should I do this amongst my busy life? Like, what do you see are the pros and cons of those? Yeah, for sure. And so just so people know, I did my 200 hours, like the 30 day immersion in Bali. So like far away from home was like so really cool. into that. I wasn't working and I did my 300 hour in Vancouver and it was Monday to Wednesday, nine to five and then Thursday, nine to noon. So it was kind of like a, what would that be? 20 hours a week, probably. That's a just lot. A little bit less wow. Okay. Yeah. And so I was also working. So basically I would work for a couple of hours before my training and then a couple hours after. And then I, I had all my calls bumped from like 1 PM on Thursday and Friday. And then I worked on the weekends. That was just like part of my trade-off for doing that training. And that went for three months. Okay. Um, so that was like a different sort of style of that. So I've done kind of two different styles. And then I know a lot of people do trainings that are like one weekend a month 
Friday yep. night, all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday. And it goes for like maybe nine months. Like there'll be like yeah. nine immersive weekends like that. And I think there's pros and cons to all of them. Like I really loved just being immersed in my training, like 30 days, everyone is there for the same thing. There's nothing that's distracting you. I wasn't working, which made it like super manageable to do that, especially because it's long days. Like I think we went like seven to seven and you get breaks and stuff, but it's like, you know, you're practicing a couple times a day. You're learning a lot. Um, it's just like, it's, it's really intense, but you're like fully in it. You don't have other distractions. Right. I think with one where you have, you know, like the one weekend a month or maybe something like I did, that's like not as fully immersive, but kind of a part-time immersive, you have a bit more time to digest a bit more time to like, you know, we had a lot of like homework that we did in my 300 hour. And I had, you know, basically four days of the week to kind of do that or three and a half days to do that. And I know I've talked to people who have done like one weekend a month and that's feasible, more feasible if you have kids, if you have a full-time job and also to get your studies in because, you know, things like the Bhagavad Gita are dense, like Mm -hmm. reading that before a 30 day training and trying to digest that as well as learning all your cues and stuff is just, it's, it's a lot. So I think it just depends on your life, like your life circumstances. I know there's a lot of people where 30 days in Bali sounds really amazing, but it's just not possible. And I get that, you know, I have a tiny baby now and I'm running my own business and, you know, that feels like going to Bali for 30 days feels like pretty impossible for me at this, at this point. So, um, I think it just depends on what you want. And I really loved just like being all in. And then, you know, I came home and I had lots of time to digest and go yeah. over the content and start implementing it in my like day-to-day life. That's so cool. I, I have a vision. I don't, maybe I'll manifest this that like some summer, cause I'll have three kids here and they'll be in school. It's hard to like, want to just, I just want to travel, but like there you have school. <laughs> yeah. So I want like some summer, I want to do an immersive cause I haven't done my 300 hour yet. I'm going to do an immersive 300 hour, like somewhere cool like that. And we all go, we just spend the summer like in yoga heaven. <laughs> it would be so fun. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. That would be awesome. No, I mean, I feel like obviously you'll have a tiny baby soon and there's like, you know, they're pretty needy at that stage, especially if you're going to breastfeed or if you're going to give like pump milk and give a bottle, it's like a lot on your body and you have to feed them constantly and stuff like that. But I think, you know, once your, your newest little one is a bit bigger, like it's so fun because they can have a cool experience too, even if they're not in training. Yeah. So just for listeners, because there's a lot of listeners that listen to my show that are sort of yoga curious, um, you, and, and that's practice, but it's also teaching. Can you explain, and isn't it weird that I've never had anyone explain this before, but what a 200 hour is versus a 300 hour and like what, what these paths are in terms of learning? Yeah, for sure. So the hours are kind of, I guess, like ambiguously set by yoga Alliance, which is kind of like, I guess the closest thing we have in the yoga world to a governing body. And so most teacher trainings kind of fall within approximately 200 hours because that's what they need to be certified under yoga Alliance and have teachers certified. So you can get that like yoga Alliance steel seal of approval. Um, but basically, you know, the 200 hour is like 200 hours of yoga learning broken up into different categories. So learning like you know, the yoga poses, yoga cueing, anatomy, um, yoga philosophy, which is a huge component of it. Mm -hmm. Um, some trainings now are starting to do like a couple hours of business training, which is really great. So helping Mm -hmm. yoga teachers actually know how to get jobs when they go into the teaching world. 
Um, and your 200 hour, I feel like is really just like, <laughs> I feel like it's like an appetizer. Um, it's like high realize, school or something. Like yeah, the, the, yeah, high you school of the well is so deep. <laughs> like there's so much to learn. Yeah. Um, so once you do 200 hour, you become like a 200 hour certified yoga teacher. And then 300 hour is like the next step that you can do to become like a 500 hour registered yoga teacher. It's so interesting because yoga Alliance doesn't really recognize past 500 hours, even though like I'm 500 hours certified and I still feel like there's so much I don't know. Right. That's true. I've never thought of that, but like there could be even a a third layer to that for those of us that are, I mean, we're always learning. There could be like a 10th layer. Seriously. Like you could do like, I know people who've done like training after training after training and um, even though I've done a 200 hour before, I feel like even going back and learning the basics or hearing how somebody else's teaches anatomy or cueing and basic philosophy would be so helpful. Cause it's just, yeah, the well is so deep with yoga, but that's just kind of like, if you want to teach and be certified, you need your 200 hour and then your 300 hour just certifies you further. And under yoga alliances guidelines, you can't like offer a yoga alliance teacher training that's certified under them, unless you have your 500 hours, you have your 500. Right. Mm -hmm. I think at this point, I think they've like, they changed things over the last couple of years. So you could previously, but now they've made that like a, a yeah, I guess rule, which is like, yeah. Why I'm kind of like, okay, let's, Let's figure. This I know it's out. kind of ambiguous because if you've been teaching for like twenty years, like yeah. twenty years ago, yoga <laughs> lines didn't exist, and the ambiguousness of like two hundred hour and three hundred hour didn't exist. Like people just practiced yoga, they learned under a teacher, they were taught under that teacher, they like apprenticed a lot, so they have a lot of experience. Um, I think yoga lines like brought a lot of those teachers on. Like if you could show you've been teaching for a while, they, they're not like, Oh, you have to do the 300 hour. But for anyone who's kind of curious now, if you do want to offer your own trainings, you have to have both those trainings now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if someone is curious about starting this journey, I, you know, there's so many trainings out there and a lot now that you can do online, I think having an in-person experience is far superior if you can. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. But there's also so many different like subsets of trainings. I feel like some are more anatomy focused, some are more philosophy focused, you know, there's all different, different types. So it's kind of just, what are you called to? I'd be curious, you know, to take it into, okay, now we've got teacher training done. You are teaching (laughs) in your mind, what do you see as a successful teacher or like what for the practitioners that are listening, like what can teachers do to create a really great experience in a yoga class? I feel like in terms of like using the word success, I think this is something that people really need to define for themselves. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not here to tell anyone what it means to be a successful yoga teacher, because I think you have to define that as a teacher yourself. Like, and that's one of the things I would sit down and do if you do want to teach like right away, like create a vision board or, you know, write out your values, write out what you want out of your career, because some teachers want to teach, you know, part-time while, you know, maybe raising their kids, or maybe they want to teach as like a side hustle because they actually have a really fulfilling full-time career that they love. So just a couple times a week, other people want to dive, you know, fully in and teach, you know, 30 classes a week and run workshops and retreats and others want to open a studio. So, you know, once you hit those goals, that's going to be success for you. But, you know, I can't say like, Hey, owning a studio is going to be like, 
you know, the metric of a successful yoga teacher, because that's certainly not for everyone. So I think that that's an important way is like to just kind of define success for yourself, write that down, you know, put it on sticky notes or yeah, vision board, something that you can see. So, you know, what you're working towards. And then in terms of what teachers can do to kind of create, you know, a nice space or create Mm -hmm. great classes. I think the biggest thing is like being true to who you are. I think there's a lot of, and this is goes for all things, but there's a lot of shoulds out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mm-hmm. should use music. You should use essential oils. You should touch people. You shouldn't touch people. You should do it online. You should do it in person. I mean, you should do what feels best for you, right? right? Like if you like teaching online and that's how you, and you feel like you can really offer your students something that's beautiful. There's a huge market for that. If you feel like touch is a part of what you offer, part of your gifts, then of course do that with permission of your students. If you're not comfortable with that, then don't offer that. If you like using props, you know, that can be beautiful. If you like candles and oils and music, and that's part of what, how you create that container, that's amazing. So I think it's kind of just tuning into you as a yoga teacher and kind of passing these shoulds through your heart space and being like, you know, what serves me, what suits me. And sometimes when we're new, it's just a matter of trial and error. I mean, I'm sure you're the same where like you've tried a million things in your classes and sometimes it feels like a swing and a miss. And sometimes it's like a home run. And I know I've done things where I'm like, I don't know, like how that went. It felt weird to me. Not doing that again. And then other things where you're like, yes, that was like so aligned, you know, like a great playlist and just a good vibe in there and stuff. So I think that it's really, you know, coming back to yourself and, and tuning into that is really important for creating that space. Yeah. Yeah. That's such helpful advice. And I feel like, I don't know if you felt this way when you first started teaching, but I was so wrapped up in success for me was like the number of students in class, right? Like how many people can I get? If if there's lots of students here, then I'm a good teacher. And that's ultimately not true at all. <laughs> I think some of the best classes and the best teachers are just like you said, really rooted in who they are. And ultimately, you know, that's kind of, that's what guides them and that's what authentically serves. And once I let go of that, I think that's when I really started to see just like deeper connection and, and yeah, better class. They felt better. You know, I don't know if they were Mm -hmm. better, but they felt better to me classes. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree with that. (laughs) So Okay, we've cut, you've given the tips in terms of like being authentic and also like having that vision of what you want in your teaching career. For listeners that are like, okay, I want a yoga career, but like, I don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, listen to Amanda's show for sure. And are there, can you even just like generalize a few of the paths that you've seen? Some of them are probably pretty creative in terms of like what you can do as a yoga teacher. Yeah. I've seen so many cool like niches and so many cool paths, but to just give kind of a general overview of, you know, a couple of things you can do once you've got your teacher training. So, you know, teaching classes is going to be kind of the first one. And so we have a lot of really cool opportunity with, you know, having zoom, like where we're talking today, Uh, to be able to just create a link and open a Zoom room and invite some people in. And I always encourage people to do at least, you know, donations if they're not 
feeling comfortable mm-hmm. setting a price for their class, at least let people donate to you. You can easily set up a PayPal donation link um, that you can just drop in the chat and have people invite people to give you five, 10, 15, 20 bucks, whatever is available to them. Um, so that's a really easy, basic way. If you just want to start, you could just start teaching online. You can just set up your laptop or your iPhone, you know, wherever that they can see you and hear you, you throw some AirPods or some Bluetooth headphones in and just start teaching. You can do similar stuff with like, if you have a backyard or, um, if there's like a local park parks are just check your like local area. Sometimes you have to actually reserve them. And yes, I've had that. Have it's, not, <laughs> yeah, trouble it's not, it's not to get kicked out like in the middle of Shavasana or like the middle of class. <laughs> so just, just check that, but you can do parks and like local spaces and stuff like that. So that's a really basic way to start. Um, approaching yoga studios and getting teaching gigs at their studio is a really, really great way to start. And you can teach, you know, one studio, two studios, three studios, whatever floats your boat, whatever's kind of feeling, you know, good to you. So that's a great way, uh, teaching private. So that would be like one-on-one yoga or maybe teaching to a couple or a family, or even doing special events. Like, um, I've taught a couple bachelorette parties and those are always like super, super fun, <laughs> so fun. Uh, to, cre- yeah, to create sequences that are like related to like love and joy and <laughs> that type of stuff is always really cool. So you could specialize in something like that, offering, you know, smaller group classes to people who want to work, work with you closer. You can create a business, you know, running workshops or registered programs and a registered program would be like, okay, we're going to do six sessions of beginner yoga or six sessions of prenatal yoga or something like that, or six sessions working on our lower back. Um, you know, anything you can really create registered programs off anything that you want to teach. It's just going to probably be a little bit more specialized, and then running retreats, whether that's like day long retreats in your hometown or where you live or weekend retreats to the mountains or to the beach, week long retreats to places like Costa Rica, Mexico, if that suits you, serves you. And then of course you can go the route of, you know, running a studio, opening your own studio. And that can be anything from maybe it's like a loft or an attic in your house, or maybe like a converted garage to renting a space you know, downtown where you live and like fitting out, you know, the studio. So I think those are kind of like, Oh, another one you could teach corporate corporates, another really great one. So that would be, yeah. Going into offices and working with people who sit a lot. And this is a great market. And these are people who need yoga. They need yoga Mm -hmm. probably the most, Mm -hmm. and they often don't feel comfortable in yoga studios, but if you can go into their workspace and teach them there, that can be really amazing. And, you know, that can be a really well-paid gig as well. Um, you can do that online now, if they're not in person yet, because of the pandemic, that can be great. And then of course, there's so many other niches, like teaching kids yoga, working with, you know, moms, like moms need yoga, you know, prenatal, postnatal, mom and baby, you know, oh, yeah. that type of thing. So there's lots of niches that you can get into, you know, that kind of specialize all those things I just mentioned. Oh, but when you say it like that, I'm like just thinking through my almost 11 years of teaching yoga. I think I've done every version of that. Usually somebody like as a yoga teacher, we kind of combine it all together. It's a little bit of a mm-hmm. hustle. I mean, it's actually kind of a lot of hustle to be like a, mm-hmm. to be a yoga teacher. I think people think like, oh, it's just going to be this like harmonious. Like I just teach and show up at the studio and like to be, you know, really 
I keep using the word successful, which I don't really like identify with, but to have an abundant life in yoga, there is an element of like, you got to seek opportunities out. You got to take action. And there right now, especially, I feel like there's such a need. There's a need for teachers. There's a need for so many different, you know, in this wellness space, like people really want to feel good again. Um, have you taught, what kind of yoga are you teaching right now? Or are you teaching with your little one? No, I haven't been teaching over the last little while. Um, I was doing both like teaching and running my yoga business, helping yoga Mm -hmm. teachers. And it just was becoming like too much to try to do both and navigate that schedule. And then, yeah, I got pregnant and had a baby and now I'm just kind of slowly entering back into the world and getting to know my, my postpartum body and stuff (laughs) like that. So yeah, I haven't got back into teaching, but you know, we're pretty settled here where I live in Mexico. We live in a great community. So I've thought, you know, maybe in a couple months, I'll, I'll get back into that. But when I was teaching, I really love to teach like kind of functional vinyasa flows. So Mm. I like to create like more functional sequences. So basically what that means is like, we do some yoga that you might be sort of traditionally used to. And then we do some like sort of weird stuff. (laughs) Okay, cool. The one thing that I think is so cool as a, you know, as a teacher as a practitioner too, you can take a break and then you can come back, right? Like, it's like, if you decide like, oh, I want to start teaching again. I mean, when, when COVID hit, I was just sort of teaching online, but then going to getting back in the studios, I was like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. It's been like, you know, riding a bike, you just hop back on. So you don't, you know, you don't lose this, this skill. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was teaching, I guess like the summer before COVID hit. And then I was doing a bunch of traveling, like right up until COVID happened. And then obviously like everything was shut down. And what a, part of what I do in my business is support yoga teachers and yoga studios. So the pandemic hit and I was like insanely busy helping the studios I work with because we were like pivoting 360. Right. And so I really didn't have capacity to take anything else on. And then yeah, I got pregnant like May of 2021. And so I just kind of returned back to Mexico. We were doing a bit of travel again because Mexico was like completely open just within the country. And yeah, then I got pregnant and <laughs> I was like, I've changed. I don't, yeah, I was like, I don't really feel like teaching right now. Just, I mean, you know, cause you're pregnant right now. It's like, you do what you have capacity for and basically nothing more. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's definitely uh, yeah, I'm not teaching at the moment at all. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got yeah. one bachelorette in like a week and I'm like, I hope you guys are cool with like me standing here and queuing you because this is going to be hilarious. Oh my gosh. I feel like I would be like, I'll just be like sitting here, like beached whale style. <laughs> Do some uh, arm demonstrations. Oh yeah. I'll probably just, yeah. I'm doing a lot of hands and knees stuff right now. That's helping. Are there any, you know, in your experience talking with so many different yoga teachers and having people on your show. Have you any really creative uses of a yoga teaching um, career or anything that's been like, yeah, I'm sure you've seen tons of ideas, things that like people don't expect. Yeah, for sure. One that comes to mind that was like a really interesting niche was I interviewed this guy who he's really into motorcycles Okay. And that's like what he does on the weekends. And he's also really into yoga. And so he got his teacher training and he was starting to teach at like, like motorcycle shops, like Harley Davidson's. And cool. he would show up like not in Lululemon, not in like aloe, not in stretchy pants, nothing like that. Like jeans, leathers, 
and teach like in the bike shop. Like they had a space where they just kind of clear some of the bikes away and they didn't really even use mats and they would just do some really basic yoga, like, you know, feel your feet into the ground, like bring that energy up through your body, you know, feel your breath. Like this is things that, that sometimes I think as like more advanced practitioners, we kind of forget that like, not everybody does this, but he said that it was just a huge difference and people loved it. Like he had these like full classes happening. And I was like, this is the coolest, most interesting, most diverse niche. Um, Cause I've interviewed like hundreds of people who are like, yeah, I run like really cool retreats and cool spaces or like I teach really interesting teacher trainings. And um, I've interviewed people with lots of really cool niches, but I feel like that one was just like more outside the box of something I never would have expected to kind of come across. Yeah. Authenticity, right? Like that just speaking to what his interests were. And, and that's your, you bring up a good point too, is I think we assume that yoga looks a certain way. I mean, we, mm-hmm. that that's a whole combo in terms of inclusivity, but you know, even just what you wear, you wear yoga pants, you have a mat, like there's, that's not, that's not really true. There's so much more. I mean, there's obviously all the other limbs of yoga that have nothing to do with the way you look or the way your physical body is. And so, yeah, you can do so many different things once you have that knowledge. I love that niche. Mm -hmm. That makes me think of a teacher I used to work with. His name was Ken. (laughs) He was like an older guy. He was hilariously like enthusiastic and he would teach yoga for golfers. And so he would teach like people his age that were golfers and just like help with mobility and stretching. And he'd always, when anytime he walked in the studio, he'd go, it's a good day for yoga every day. And I like (laughs) think of him so frequently. No, I love that. And that's like, I think one of the things that's really interesting, like if you want to teach in a studio and teach like traditional, like primary series, secondary series, like that is cool. Like I'm, I'm all for that. I'm not trying to take that away from anyone, but I think if you're somebody who maybe came to yoga from like a non-traditional background, like thinking about how you can reach people who aren't going to come to the studio, who aren't going to come to your online zoom classes is, is a really cool thing to do because I really feel like yoga is for everyone and everyone can benefit from it, especially in these like, you know, crazy trying chaotic times we have in the world. Like we need regulation in our nervous system more than ever. I feel like there's just like, we can kind of take the yoga to people, like instead of kind of expecting people to come to us, it's like taking it to them and meeting them where they are. So it's like, maybe they don't know that people normally wear stretchy pants and sports bras. Like maybe they just show up in like jeans and a t-shirt cool, Mm -hmm. but you can teach somebody like that, right? Like if they sit there and they tune into their breath and they clear their mind just a little bit or tune into a thought and they, you know, maybe sitting and just stretching side to side and twisting side to side is going to be huge in their body because they don't do that normally. Um, it's, it's just remembering that like little things can go a long way with yoga. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's such a good reminder. I want to touch on your portal your navigation into motherhood and how the last several months have shifted your perspective on just you know kind of the belief structures and the things that we learn in yoga if that's changed if maybe you've been more dialed in you know any any thoughts as it relates to like yoga and motherhood yeah for sure oh my gosh so many good things there I find it very interesting that every time I go to meditate, my baby needs me in some way. Like she can <laughs> be course. completely content, like playing on her play mat independently, like 
hasn't even wanted to look with me. Cause she's like, you know, obsessed with these little toys that she can like now grab and they make noise and they feel interesting. And then I, you know, I'm watching her and I close my eyes and go to tune into my breath. And it's like, meh, meh, of course, or like touching, you know, of course. And I feel like just learning to kind of take the small moments, like, you know, maybe cause she wants me, like maybe I can pick her up and we can take a couple of deep breaths together and that can help her as well as me like regulate, or maybe it's just like me holding her hand, keeping my eyes open. So I'm looking at her, she knows she has my attention, but still focusing on my breath. So I feel like it, kind of with that, it's like, things don't look the way they used to. And you know, for once I kind of got out of my initial couple of weeks of postpartum, like really being horizontal healing, I got the craving to kind of start moving my body a little bit. So I just started moving intuitively, but I felt like, you know, this morning routine I had that was so solid before Yeah, it was just hard. Like she would wake up. It's like, she needs to be changed. She needs to eat by the time she's done that. It's like, you know, we burp, she has to either play or be put down again. And then like, I'm starving because I'm breastfeeding and you know, I'm human. I need to eat in the morning. And then it's like midday and I'm like, Oh, I haven't done anything for myself other than maybe had, (laughs) you know, some food. So I started doing my, like my yoga practice in the evenings and, you know, it wasn't perfect. And it was just kind of some slow intuitive movement, but it was something for me, which was really nice. So just kind of like, instead of getting attached to this is how I've done it. This is how I prefer to do it. Just like switching it up. And now, you know, we have a better morning routine. Like she's a bit bigger. Um, she loves to like, you know, lie on, I've got this like big squishy mat that she likes to lie on. So now I've kind of shifted back into after we do our first feeding in the morning, we get up, I put her down, she plays on that. And I stretch, I do a bit of my practice. And again, it's not perfect because, I can't just close my eyes and like flow for an hour. It's more like 20 minutes and there's some Mm playtime in between that, but just understanding that I'm just taking the little pieces I can get while taking care of her, I feel like has been, been a big thing, like embracing the imperfectness of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also feeling really grateful that I had these practices because there's times where, you know, she's crying and she's upset and that like physically like aches at me. And then if it goes for a while, that can get really tiring and frustrating, but just remembering like, like, I feel like yoga, like I've been training yoga to like enter motherhood is kind of, yeah, (laughs) that's, oh my gosh, I totally agree. Well, and I think about the, you know, just the stress that our body is put in good stress in yoga, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's tough physical practice, but also just like the stress of staying focused in your, in your head for, you know, an hour, however long. And that has translated so well into the stresses of real life of, of motherhood. I always say that like, this is practice for real life yoga is practice. So those are such good examples. And I know I (laughs) I love like the vision of the morning routine, even now that I think I'm going to have with a baby, like it kind of goes out the window. I know that, but it's still, it's still, I'm like, okay, we're going to, you know, maybe she'll be really great. It's just going to be a cancer son. So maybe she'll be like really good at just hanging out with me. But <laughs> you, you never I mean, know. I like, I have like a chill baby and I just, I don't know, maybe it's just like the newness of it all, but it's just being on like the three hour schedule of like, it's like, okay, she eats. Okay. She needs to eat now again in like two and a half hours, two and a half hours. That's forever. But it's like, by the time you like put them to sleep and then you like go to the bathroom and literally food. <laughs> and then it's like, oh my gosh, I have like 15 minutes before she needs to eat again. Like, 
And then it's like, you just need to like sit. It's like, I don't need to move. I just need to like sit and give myself a moment. And then it's like, baby wakes up, you do it all over again. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad we're talking now because it's just like reminds me like, okay, we've we've got this. It's just kind of expect the unexpected. What else do you like to do for self-care? What are things that fill up your cup? Yeah, for sure. So I really love a lot of the practices that come from Ayurveda. So some of my like non-negotiables, even with the baby are like tongue scraping, lemon water in the morning. Um, yeah, doing my, like, I feel like it is yoga, but it's kind of more like intuitive movement practice, at least like once a day, whether or not it's, you know, during nap time in the morning and the evening, whenever it doesn't matter, as long as I do that. Um, reading is a huge form of self-care for myself. I love to read like fiction is a form of self-care. Um, yes. and then baths. I know that's like kind of cheesy and cliche, but no, I like it's great. Love bath. I love a bath. Um, being outside, like going for walks, being in nature. That's something I love. Um, I love living in Mexico, but it's one of the things I always really miss about Canada. Like Mexico is just a little bit harder for navigating like really good nature and trails and like Canada's Mm. got that down. So it's one of the things I really love about, about there, but just finding, you know, time in nature is really important to me. Or even just going for a walk in my community is something that kind of hits that. Um, what else do I like to do? eat. I enjoy eating. I don't really love cooking, but my husband's a great cook. So there you I really go. Like That's perfect. indulge in that or go for like a nice meal with friends. That's something that I feel like just really fills my cup up. I think those are kind of the main things. Those are great. How, what is it like living in Mexico? Yeah, it's great. It's uh, the climate is great here because, yeah. you know, like I said, I'm from Canada and Canada has like eight months of winter, which really does not float my boat in any way. I know <laughs> some people love it. I don't. <laughs> oh. Once I found a way to escape winter, I was like, okay, sold on this. Probably never going to go back for winter again. Um, but yeah, great cost of living. The culture is amazing here. People are super warm and welcoming. And um, I really love to travel. That's like one of my favorite hobbies. And obviously it's been difficult over the last couple of years with the pandemic. And now we have a really little baby and dealing with passport bureaucracy and stuff like that has been a whole thing over the last few months. So we just don't have that many options at the moment. So just being able to, you know, travel within a country that's so big and so diverse, mm. and so much to, to offer has been really cool. And then I really love getting like, you know, we're settled, we're rooted, we're grounded, creating a life here, which is like really similar to what life would look like in Canada, except I get to like leave the house and speak Spanish and I get to go eat street tacos. And, you know, so I get this little kind of like piece of the travel I love while also getting like the groundedness that I need in this current stage of life. Um, yeah, Mexico is, I think a lot more developed than maybe some people think it is. And it gets the bad, rep and like news and stuff that like, Oh, you're going to come here and you're going to get, I don't know, food poisoning or taken by a cartel. And it's like, it's really not <laughs> like that. Like yeah. I always felt really safe here and I haven't really had anything, you know, bad happen to me, knock on wood. And I just feel like the people here are, it's just like a really beautiful, diverse, like alive culture. It's a really lovely place to live. 
Oh, that's so cool. I, I admire people who can, I mean, I live in Minnesota. I, I don't know why I live here. It's, it's ridiculously cold. A seasonal, you know, affective disorder is real and it would be so nice and amazing to go there. Yet I don't have enough courage. I think, you know, I think some of those stereotypes we, we sort of, yeah, we assume that they're true and it's so cool to hear that from you. What city are you in, in Mexico? I'm in a city called Queretaro, which is like three hours north of Mexico City. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's maybe about like two million. So it's like a big city, but it's oh, not wow. like a huge city okay. for Mexico. Um, it's really nice here. Like we live like right outside the mountains, and there's you can go to the mountains on the weekends, and there's like cheeseries and wineries and like yeah, cool. it's really beautiful. And the climate is really good here. It's pretty pretty temperate all year round gets like a little chilly in the winter. And then right now is like the hottest month of the year. Like May is the hottest. Um, so it'll cool off a little bit once the rain starts in like a week or so. Um, but I've lived in a ton of places in Mexico and I honestly had like similar, I'd been to Mexico for like all inclusives, vacations, right. girls trips, that type of thing. Like I knew Mexico a little bit, but we decided to move here because we were, traveling, we were working and traveling full-time, but we were over in Asia and it was really hard with the visa situation. We only had like 30 or 60 days in a place, which means like you just have to move around a lot. And the time zone was hard because you basically can only do calls really early or really late in the day. Yeah. And my husband accepted a full-time job that required him on North American time. And we wanted to be a bit more stable. And so we decided to move to Mexico city, which is like, I'm from like I remember growing up that the town I lived in hit 10,000 people and we got a McDonald's. <laughs> You're like me. Like Mexico so- <laughs> city is like 20 million people. Like wow. that is a big difference from what I grew up with. And I was really unsure of it. We agreed we'll book three weeks in an Airbnb. If we hate it, we'll go somewhere else. And within two days I was like, let's find a long-term lease here. I love this city. <sighs> That's so cool. You're st- Do you have Sagittarius in your chart? You must. I don't know if I do. I am we'll uh, my sun, my sun signs in Aquarius, and then my moon and my rising are both Gemini. Mm, that curiosity, yeah. Oh my gosh, we got to look at your chart before I come on your show too. Oh my gosh, Amanda, this is fun. I love, I love chatting with other yoga teachers and just kind of expanding even my worldview of, you know, what yoga is and how we can how we can incorporate it into so many different ways. Whether we're just starting off on this journey or have been doing it for. 10, 10, 11 years. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell listeners where to find your show? You know, if they're a yoga teacher and they want to start working with you, just give them all the details. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for that. So anywhere that you're listening to the show, you should be able to find my show. It's called Mastering the Business of Yoga, or you can just search my name and it'll come up. And I've got tons of different episodes on all things yoga business. And I really like to look at yoga business from like a heart-centered approach. So kind of passing, you know, all those shoulds of business again, through your heart space, like, does this feel good for me? Should you do reels? I don't know if you should do reels. Does it feel good to you? (laughs) You know, should you hire somebody to help you with your marketing? You know, like just there's reels is maybe like a bad example, but there's a million things that people will tell you, like, you have to do this to be successful. And I'm of the mindset of like, I can give you the tools for your toolbox and you choose which tools to use because you need to decide like what you actually want to use, what serves you, because you get to decide what success means to you and you get to pass everything like through that heart space. So there's no like one size fits all in terms of like how I look at yoga business, which 
um, is what I really needed as a yoga teacher. So mm-hmm. hopefully that's helpful to other yoga teachers and you can find everything at mbomyoga.com. So mbomyoga.com. And there's tons of freebies on the website. Um, there's a page. If you do want to work with me one-on-one, um, just fill out the form, it'll send me an email and then we can chat about if it's a good fit. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, thanks for the time. I know you're just coming off of maternity leave. So, so it's such a joy to chat with you and learn a little bit more and definitely people check out this amazing podcast. Um, I will be on it as well. We're doing a little tradesy, getting to know each other's audiences. So thanks again, Amanda. This was super fun. Yeah, I know. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a, this is a treat. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Thanks to Amanda for being here. Make sure to check out her information, her show in the show notes. And as always, subscribe if you enjoyed the show, share it with a friend, and you can follow us on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast. See you next week.